Welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. I am your host, John Marchalera, and this week my guest is the fabulous Kelly Gumon. Kelly, welcome. <laughs> Hi, John. It's so lovely to come back. Every time you invite me, it's such a treat. I really enjoy having you on the show. For the listeners, Kelly Gumon is a longtime podcaster, contributing editor for the Mac Observer, the host of the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast, and a tech support guru. In her 12th appearance, Kelly and I are going to talk about our favorite streaming TV shows and movies of late. And I can't wait to get started. Are you all set? I think so. (laughs) I want to start with, I know this has been discussed briefly on TDO the other day. I think it was Monday the Uh 13th. But I am am so excited about Greyhound on Apple TV+. In early World War II, this is February of 1942, when the United States is getting its butt kicked, an inexperienced U.S. Navy captain, captain of a ship, he's actually a Navy-grade commander, must lead an Allied convoy being stalked by Nancy U-boat wolf packs. So it was hit and miss in the North Atlantic. These convoys would leave the United States, escorted by Allied warships. They were uh, Allied merchant ships and Allied warships, forming a convoy, and the convoy was cleverly designed to at least try to minimize the ability of the U-boats to get in and attack. And they were typically 30 to 50 ships and escorted by small destroyers, destroyer escorts, corvettes. And these ships had depth charges and cannons, and they were out of range of of, uh, land air cover. So for many hours, two days, as they crossed the North Atlantic, they were subject to being attacked by Nazi U-boats. And sometimes they got off scot-free and sometimes they were decimated. And this tells the story of uh, Captain Ernest Krauss's first command of a destroyer, Fletcher class, the USS Keeling, in command of the other escort ships escorting this convoy across the North Atlantic. And as luck would have it, they are fallen upon by a pack of six Nazi U-boats. And the movie focuses on the action of just that one period of time. It doesn't get into the philosophy of war, doesn't get into why we were in the war, doesn't get into politics, doesn't get into side love affairs. Although there's a brief introduction with the glorious Elizabeth Shue as uh, Captain Krause's uh, fiancé, I take it. But that's very briefly introduced, and then he goes off to training, and then we start the movie in full gear with a the voyage out of uh, the United States. I forget the departure point, somewhere on Sun Naval Yard on the East Coast, where the fleet is stocked up with troops and uh, aircraft folded up and ready to be deployed and lumber and fruits and fuel oil and everything that the British needs to endure this battle against uh, the Germans. And as Tom Hanks describes it, it's very highly focused. It's just the battle itself. And there's no time for much character development, except for the captains. Because the captain is on his first escort mission. He's an experienced mm-hmm. uh, commander, is an 05. That's a seriously experienced and senior Navy officer. It's not a full-blown okay. captain, which is an 06. But typically, uh, the commanders of submarines and uh, destroyers are commanders. And their executive officer may be a lieutenant commander or also a commander. So this is an appropriate naval rank, but uh, it's his first mission, and uh, he mm-hmm. goes through hells, and it's a tough, it's a tough two days fight, 
And uh, the movie is well filmed. The computer graphics are excellent. And the acting is terrific. The military uh, accuracy is, looks pretty good to me. And we get to get, see a glimpse of what it was really like to be in combat, sort of like uh, those uh, famous Air Force movies of the B-17s flying over Germ Germany. So, but this was a naval ship. And um, it kind of, it shows you what it was like being in the choppy waters at night, being haunted, uh, hunted by, haunted as well, by these U-boats uh, that would creep up on you and stay submerged and, and uh, all of a sudden a merchant would, sh would blow up out of the blue. And there wasn't a whole lot you could do except pick up survivors. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really well done movie. Well, well architected, well plotted, well filmed, good CGI. And uh, we've heard that it's been very popular on Apple TV. I really enjoyed it. I, my highest recommendation. Have you had a chance Excellent. to see it yourself? I have not, uh, but so. one of the things that we saw in the he like in the the news coverage of this was that uh, it had driven a lot of signups, and one of those signups was my dad, who uh, called me up on Friday afternoon and said he heard that Tom Hanks had a World War II movie on the Apple TV, and he needed to know how to get the Apple TV. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, he was one of those people that signed up. Uh, specifically to watch this film. And he did text me later and tell me that they had enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I've seen a lot of World War II movies. I'm a baby boomer, and I grew up watching all those movies. Uh, and I also watched a lot of TV. I'm old enough to remember series like Navy Log and The Silent Service and Victory at Sea. And I also read a lot of actual nonfiction, technical, historical literature about the war. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite books is the sort of like the the best book ever written on submarine warfare by the U.S. and the Pacific by Commander Richard O'Kane called Clear the Bridge. If you ever want to know what it's like to uh, command a submarine during World War II. What happened was is that World War II kind of sprung upon us and we didn't have a lot of experienced war captains. And so mm -hmm. the Navy submarine commanders were too careful and uh, didn't know how to take appropriate and calculated and proper risks to attack okay. the enemy. And so it took a new generation. And so all through 1942, we kind of fumbled our way through submarine warfare in the Pacific. And it wasn't until, I think, 1943 that uh, a new breed of seasoned, experienced, uh, talented Navy submarine commanders came along, like Richard O'Kane and others, uh, who knew how to take the war to the enemy instead of being ultra-conservative. They were properly risk-minded and generally survived, and uh, through proper seamanship and good experience and, and understanding their well-trained crew, they were able to uh, overcome what uh, previous uh, submarine commanders who grew up in the 30s uh, couldn't do. So anyway, that's mm -hmm. just sort of a sidelight. So this is kind of like an, in that line with uh, Commander Krauss on the destroyer kind of getting his feet wet, and you kind of get the feeling he's going to lead a lot more missions. And some reviewers complained that the movie didn't do character development. But boy, I see a lot of character development in Commander Krauss. I mean, when you, it's okay. your first time in battle, using everything he'd learned as, as a Navy commander, bringing mm -hmm. all his knowledge and expertise to bear, and, and, and commanding his crew 
with proper military discipline and uh, command ability. I mean, that really came out in the movie. I mean, without that kind of military leadership, you can't conduct warfare operations. And so that was interesting to see how he grew into the role of of defending the, uh, the convoy. So that was great. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that movie and I highly recommend it. Well, I think part of what goes into that, I think, um, and this was something we touched on when we talked about it Monday on TDO, was um, it's also a 90-minute movie. And crisp, 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 crisp. And so it hustles right along. Yep. And, you know, there maybe if it had been you know a 105 minute movie maybe there would have been time for enough character development to make people happy but like it's not lord of the rings <laughs> so and it's not the director's cut of lord of the rings so it's a movie that does hustle right along and and with good reason and i think it's still um like the stuff that i've read about it is that nobody has any complaints about the story itself or what it looked like or you know you can't really do that in a in a world war two ship or anything like that. Like mostly, you know, it was no character development, but I think, you know, a certain amount of that, like you don't always need that. And I think if you go back and watch other world war two movies, you're not going to find a whole, you're not going to find, you know, three hour movies that are all character development. And then also happen to be a battle. It seems like the battle was a character in itself. And that was the thing that you got the most development from. So speaking of things you can and cannot do, one of the things I pointed out in my review with the Mac Observer was I was highly doubtful that a destroyer lookout could detect a submarine's torpedo wake in choppy dark waters of the North Atlantic, especially at dusk or dawn or night, and uh, be able to then call out the direction of the torpedo. And they move 25 meters a second. And mm-hmm. so that they move along pretty fast. And for a destroyer to be able to detect a wake and turn into it multiple times and cause a head-on miss. You might get away with it once, but it certainly is hard to do when you're in a crossfire between two submarines at 90-degree angles. And when one shoots you and you turn into the torpedo, then the other one goes after you, and you don't have time to respond to the second torpedo. So by all rights, he should have been sunk. But it was a movie, and it was exciting, and the hero (laughs) has to win. So that was cool. All right, enough of the Greyhound on Apple TV now showing. Um, your turn. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about a show. Uh, this is I have two two picks that are kind of that that seem like they're similar on their faces because both of them have to do with Wall Street. So the first one is a show that I've been watching on Showtime called Black Monday, and it comes in half hour units, half hour episodes. Um, and they are, uh, it's a, a comedy. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens, weird stuff that happens. Bits of it are very, very dark. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this at all. There's a mature on like a mature warning of some form or another on like every episode. Um, but one, but the, the cast is stellar. So uh, Don Cheadle plays one of the main characters and his name is Mo Monroe. Um, you might think that sounds fake. Uh, there, Casey Wilson is on this. She was on uh, Saturday Night Live briefly, and she was in a show called Happy Endings. She's in it uh, and is very great. Ken Marino, who is very funny. Horatio Sands is in it. He's very funny. Uh, Paul Shear and Andrew Rannells are two of the the um, 
bigger players. Paul Shear used to do a lot of stuff on VH1. He's done some um, stand-up comedy as well. Uh, I'm trying to think what the other show is that he did that people might know him from. I like Don Cheadle. Um, He's and one I, of my favorite actors. Yeah, Don Cheadle is is fantastic. Uh, and he's so good on the show. And Andrew Rannells was a guy. Um, he's done a little bit of TV and people might know him from uh, the Book of Mormon. He was one of the main characters in the Book of Mormon. Um, and like everyone on the show, uh, Regina Hall is one of my favorites. I don't think I had seen her in anything before this. And she's so, so good. Everyone on the show does just a fantastic job. And then the, um, uh, it's, it's so funny. It's so dark. What it's talking about is black Monday, uh, in 1987. I think so. I believe it was, Yep. uh, the, the massive, massive, massive crash. And so the show, I'm not giving anything away because this is literally the first 30 seconds of the show. Show you uh, the aftermath of Black Monday happening for like 30 seconds. And then they go back a year to the previous October and uh, tell you a story that builds up to that day. And then every at the end, at the, the season finale of season one, even if you just watch season one, it's so good as a complete story. Uh, you watch the end of you get to the end of season one and the last piece of season one of the finale is the very the very first bit that you saw right at the beginning of the show and they show you how you got there and it's so so good and I really enjoy it very very much um, like I said it's very funny uh, everyone on it is super great uh, there is a second season and there I don't know. Uh, the second season has been affected by the pandemic, so I don't know how much uh, more second season there is going to be. I think they're one of the one of the productions that was interrupted, and uh, I so I don't know where they are going to end up with this second season. Um, I uh, oh, it looks like uh, the one coming this week is going to be the second season finale. So I I was under the impression they were filming this show and it had been uh, blocked. So I think um, they may have been filming a third season or maybe they were able to wrap up season two in time before everything uh, halted at Showtime or something. This is a show that's on Showtime. I enjoy it very much. Uh, there's all kinds of like you get some flashbacks to see how people get get where they are, you know, and it kind of informs you about their character and different things. Um you find out uh, a lot of stuff. There are surprising things that happen during the show that are unexpected. There was at least two things I'm not going to tell you about, but there were at least two things in the second season that I absolutely did not see coming in any way. Um, and I really, I enjoy everything about the show. Uh, and maybe it's just because I remember the eighties, but uh, like every episode starts with almost like a VCR and like the old, 80s showtime theme music and logo and it's so great um just to put you in the right mindset so that you know this is like you know kind of a throwback situation and like the fashion is spectacular the hair is so high the shoulder pads are so wide the neon is so bright uh, and i just like every piece of it is just spectacularly crafted whether it's the makeup 
or the costumes or the performances or the sets, you know, the places that they work. Um, and there's things that, that are very big reminders that you're in the eighties, you know, in case you don't remember, like everybody smokes at their desk in the office and nobody cares. Um, you know, and, and, uh, the, you know, the bits where cocaine is involved, you know, um, there are a whole lot of pieces of this that, and, and it's all just delightful. Like the story of these characters, they're interesting. And even if there are characters that you do not like, and some of them you will like, and then not like, and then like again. Um, and I like a show that can kind of mess with your loyalties like that too. Um, uh, like whatever happens to them, even if you just hate them so much, you really want to know what happens to them next. And there's been some, there's some really uh, funny things that happen and there's stuff that, uh, that they kind of throw in, you know, um, that, that is funny because it's airing in 2020, 2019, 2020. And they know that. Uh, so some of those sort of winks to how things are now, versus what it was like oh, that then sounds pretty cool <laughs> is yeah. and and it's always really subtle it's never obvious like no one's gonna be able to do that in 30 years you know like there's it's <laughs> not like that it's just a little it's just a little you know a little tossed aside comment almost sometimes about you know like and and people just just thought that was okay you know and then they move on um and so just i love it uh there is language for people who are uh wondering there is language um, it's definitely adult content, but every time I have watched it, I have laughed loudly more than one time and, uh, it just cheer, like as weird as it sounds to be a show about black Monday, it has cheered me up. Like every time I've watched an episode and like I said, they're half an hour, so it's not even a huge time commitment. So try like a couple three and see how you feel about it. And I re like I have enjoyed it and uh, I would recommend it to other people who might also enjoy it too. Speaking of cheering up, I'm going to talk about a show that cheers me up greatly, but we're going to have to do that in the second half of the show. We've come to the end of the first segment already, Kelly. Can you believe it? I went on. And on <laughs> uh, since it's on. you and I, I kind of can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so folks, we're going to have to take a short commercial break. I'm chatting with Kelly Gumat of the Mac Observer. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Stay with us. Today, our sponsor is MacPaw. One of MacPaw's apps I want to tell you about today is Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X is a beautifully designed application for managing clutter on your Mac. It shows you exactly what's stored on your Mac, revealing app leftovers and system junk that you didn't know existed. The app's most popular feature is Smart Scan. It examines your system for system log files and user cache that is no longer needed. Smart Scan also does a quick malware scan. Time to complete? A few seconds. Designed for Mac OS 10.10 and higher, Clean My Mac X helps speed up even the oldest machines. The maintenance feature offers multiple tweaks to optimize your slow system. An installation takes just a couple of minutes. Clean My Mac X has a trial mode, which allows you to try out the app's features for free and decide whether it works for you. Visit macpaw.com podcast to purchase a subscription and use coupon code BGM2020 to receive 5% off. Click the Buy Now button, then scroll to the bottom of your screen to enter the code before completing your purchase. Clean My Mac X is also now available in the Apple App Store. So check it out. And thanks, MacPaw, for being our sponsor. We're back. I'm chatting with Kelly Gamana, the Mac Observer, about our favorite TV shows. 
I want to talk about a show that makes me really happy, and it's got a kind of a strange title for that. It's called Death in Paradise. It's a BBC production. <laughs> and it's you, a murder mystery. That's both of us now, though. Yeah, Here's um, a show that makes me happy. Black Monday. Well, you know what show makes me happy? <laughs> Death in Paradise. Well, the thing is, you got to know that it's a PG-13 kind of uh, murder mystery. And it's, it's placed on a, a mythical island in the Caribbean called St. Marie, which is really Guadalupe. For the aficionados who, who know where the uh, show is really filmed. And it's a little island with a small police force. And there's usually detective inspector, detective sergeant, and a few constables who try to figure out these ingenious murders. And the thing is, is that the, there's always some sort of thing going on with the detective inspector. And so that's the fun part. And it's very popular in Great Britain because it airs in Great Britain in January when it's cold and snowy and foggy and damp. And people want to see green Caribbean water. I found out what causes green water in the Caribbean. It's, it's photoplankton and shallow water. And okay. that, the green water and the sandy beaches and the blue skies, although it's quite toasty and causes a havoc for the typical detective inspector who's assigned. We were in the four now we're in season nine and the plot stays pretty much consistent all of the actors have changed over the years uh, there's a ingenious murder it looks uh, impossible to have been carried off the detective inspector and his team go after it and they puzzle and puzzle and puzzle and finally the di who's always brilliant figures it out gathers everybody together and reveals who the murderer is and along the way, there is the life and the culture and the sunshine and the, and the beachside restaurants and the atmosphere of a beautiful Caribbean island that just sort of lifts your spirit. The music's great. The actors are funny and they're great. And it's just kind of something to look forward to in the summertime in the United States. So season nine, it's on Amazon. I typically buy it, put it in my library, Although there, I think there's older episodes of Paradise, Death in Paradise available. Early okay. episodes, season one, two, three, four, five might be on Netflix or Amazon for free. But if you want the very, very latest episode when it comes out, you got to buy it. So okay. Death in Paradise, high recommendation. Funny, enjoyable, detective mystery. You get to kind of play along with the DI and uh, have some fun. And a PG rated, PG-13 murder mystery. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's formally the number, but I think that's about what about right. So, Death in Paradise, highly recommended. Thumbs up, ten okay. out of ten. Uh, I'm going to briefly dust something off because you said uh, tropical and PG thirteen, and that reminded me of something that I watched recently and enjoyed very very much, and that is Romancing the Stone. You picked a movie, so now I'm picking a movie. Uh, and I'm going to uh, plug this because uh, part of the reason I watched it was because I occasionally do uh, appear as a panelist over at The Incomparable. And The Incomparable has a, a new, newish show called Agents of Smooch. <laughs> and it's about <laughs> rom-coms. And uh, Smooch stands for something that I can't remember now. Uh, and but everyone's agents and the person in charge of the podcast is the director. And so I got to be an agent that appeared on the episode we did about uh, Romancing the Stone, which was a lot of fun. And we had picked it as part of sort of a virtual vacation 
but Let's batch see if I of movies. Correctly. Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, right? You are correct. I can't do her voice, do I win but a prize? yeah. Um, yes, uh, yes. You win a, a a cheap cat statue that has a beautifully cut emerald inside. Um, so this movie, this movie is another one. It's like a, it's like an hour forty. It clips right along. Um, Kathleen Turner is delightful. Her chemistry with Michael Douglas is phenomenal. Oh, this is a forty-year-old uh, movie, right? Uh, nineteen eighty-five. So it's thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely holds up. Um, it's super great to watch. Uh, she's not a woman who sits around getting rescued, so it's not that kind of movie. Um, and the two of them together are very entertaining. Like, I think they ma- they made two more movies that, if I'm remembering the advertising correctly, were basically like, who cares about the plot? We got Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas to make another movie. Go see it. Uh, and one of those was the sequel to this. Um, so it's, it's super enjoyable. All the little side character folks are fun and weird and entertaining. Danny DeVito's in it, um, as one of the, the odd people that's sort of trying to get, uh, like trying to kidnap, uh, the writer who is, uh, Kathleen Turner. Uh, she has an interesting story, all of her own. Uh, Michael Douglas has an interesting story, all of his own. And um, they are like two interesting people who happen to find each other. And like, if they, if they don't get together, like it's not the worst thing because both of them are like fully realized characters. You know, we were talking about character development earlier. Um, It's a really entertaining movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. One of the things that we discussed briefly when we talked about it was this is a PG movie only because it wasn't R, but there was no PG-13 in 1985. So, uh, so there's a lot of language and a lot of guns being shot at people and some slightly... Uh, there's some skin uh, and there's some slightly more adult stuff than uh, you would expect in a PG movie. Uh, because now we have PG-13 for this sort of thing, but they didn't have it then. So somehow it's a PG movie, um, but it's it's it was really fun. It was enjoyable to go spend that, you know, hour and 40 minutes, like someplace else doing something exciting. And it's a lot of fun. So I know we did like our throwback episode, you know, uh, last time, I think it was, where we talked about like Magnum P.I. and Murder, She Wrote and all that stuff. But um, this is another one I would say, uh, go trot it out. I'm not sure if it's on a streaming service Um, because I have it on DVD. So I just watched it again from from the disc. But um, if it's not, then it's probably rentable at a very reasonable price on the digital service of your choice. Uh, So I would recommend it. Uh, And if you get a chance, you know, go back to the 80s again, like, you know, the the hairdos and. And all of that is kind of a fun thing to see, like, <laughs> especially because Michael Douglas looks just as hairsprayed and blow dried as Kathleen Turner does. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I, I recommend it for a good time. Like it's, you know, make some popcorn if you have a way to watch TV on your patio or whatever, you know, maybe do that. Um, and it's, it's a good time. I want to get on a soapbox here for a second and talk briefly about something we alluded to and <laughs> often, and that is movies and TV shows that are just outright fun. Uh-huh. You know, Romancing a Stone, even though it's a war movie, Greyhound is great fun. 
Death in Paradise, even though it's a murder mystery, is great fun. You're tickled pink. You enjoy wrapping your head around the characters and the action and the music and the, and the scenery. And I've noticed that it's hard to find in this time of a global pandemic uh, stuff that is just fun and uplifting and enjoyable. A lot of TV shows, I don't want to go into names of shows, but contemporary network shows can be kind of downers and depressing and full of gunplay and dreary They're characters called the news, and John. terrible things. So, well, you know, even the fiction. <laughs> but uh, the one show that is just an, another show that is just outright fun is a show that my wife and I have been going back and reliving and watching again on Amazon, and that is called The Mentalist. I forget okay. what network it was on. I think it was on CBS from 2008 I think it was CBS. to 2015. Okay. And now it's available for streaming free on Amazon. And The Mentalist is about the California Bureau of Investigation, who hires a former con man, psychic kind of guy, who makes mm-hmm. a living, you know, duping people. And then there's a tragedy in his life, and he decides he needs to do something to fight that mental state off of his of his personal life tragedy. And he gets hired by the California Bureau of Investigation to see through the shenanigans of murderers and, and bad guys. And he's very alert, and he has good observational skills, and he's charming, and he's funny. And he sees things that other people don't see, and he helps him solve crimes. Mm-hmm. And the show went on for many years, and it was really good. It's got a great supporting cast, Robin Tunney and Amanda Rigetti and Tim Kang, who are, who are all just fantastic actors. And every time you watch the show, even though, again, is like Death in Paradise, there's usually a murder involved. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, low-key kind of maybe 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 R-rated or PG-rated. Not, not real gruesome. Just enough to well, get the movie started. Well, it was a network TV show, and it probably wasn't on super duper late at night, so they're not it showing anything Sunday too nights. graphic. Yeah, not too yeah. graphic. But uh, the charm that uh, Simon Baker brings to the part, and his interaction with his bosses, who keep rotating, by the way, they can never keep a boss. And there's <laughs> the things running jokes that are going on, and um, we watch an episode every night. We're in season four right now, and. Uh, it's a show you can watch today. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of, uh, my wife and I are really enjoying watching The Mentalist. So is this similar to Psych in that the guy yeah. says that he's psychic, but really he's just getting a good read on people or yeah, sees absolutely. something that he wasn't it's supposed to see? Okay. Good analogy. All right. You want to wrap up with one more of yours? Because we have just a yeah. few minutes left. We got I like do really enjoy. Minutes. Yeah, I do really enjoy Psych. So um, I would say if I haven't talked about that, um, it's one you should check out. But the one I want to talk about is, um, like I said, I had two picks that have to do with Wall Street. And the other one is Billions. It's also on Showtime. Oh, I want to see that. And it stars Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti as sort of the two main characters of the show. And one of them runs a hedge fund and he is like ridiculously, suspiciously successful at what he does. And that's Damien Lewis. And Paul Giamatti is the U.S. attorney in New York. So the two of them are sort of uh, at odds with each other. Um, And then uh, to make things even more interesting, uh, uh, Paul Giamatti on the show, his name is Chuck Rhodes. And Chuck Rhodes's wife works for Bobby Axelrod who is Damien Lewis. Uh, His wife works 
for like his nemesis basically and so everything gets you know complicated from there uh the cast well, sort of is like fantastic <laughs> yeah a lot like the Conways. Uh, the cast is fantastic. Uh, everyone on there is super great. I have to give a shout out to Dollar Bill Stern, uh, who's a character on the show played by Kelly Coyne, who is someone I know. He is a friend of mine. Um, and oh, you so just who, know everybody. No, I really don't. I know him because uh, I do the after show podcast with Mike Rose. And Mike Rose uh, one time went up to him and was like, did you know that uh, you are not the only Blazer fan named Kelly that I know. And so the two of them were chatting about the Trailblazers. And then my friend Mike was like, I, you, you're, we're in over my head here. Uh, you should just come on the show and talk to the other Kelly Blazer fan <laughs> about it. <laughs> and so uh, we were off to the races and he and I have been to a Blazer game together. It was very exciting. Um, and so, but yes, that's why, like, I know him, which is why I started watching the show. I'm not going to lie. That's why I started watching the show. Uh, but the show is really good. It's very interesting. Uh, it takes a lot of twists and turns. It is not a comedy. It is an hour long drama. Um, and uh, they are in the midst of the fifth. No, not the fifth season. I think, uh, I think season four is what is currently so you have to subscribe to Showtime. You can't get it on any other service in the early episodes. No, it's a Showtime show. But Showtime has the same system as HBO, where um, if you get it through your cable, you can install it on your devices and watch. Right. Or you can just get the, I don't remember what they call it, you know, with HBO, it was HBO Go and HBO Now or something in the olden days. And so Showtime has one also where you can just sign up for it and just pay for Showtime if you don't have if you don't have it. Um, so yeah, it looks like, um, let's see how many episodes is this? So they did, uh, seven episodes of season five and then, uh, they were also halted by the pandemic. So, uh, they will be back. They have said they will be back. Um, and you get interesting stuff to do. Uh, you get interesting stuff from everybody. So there's like all kinds of other character development and everybody's got their own agenda. So it's a lot of fun to watch and kind of keep track of and different folks kind of pop up at different times. And, and uh, you meet other people that sort of run with Bobby Axelrod, you know, and, and then you meet people that he's sort of turned against, you know, and so now he's doing battle on like this other front too. And it's just a really fun show to watch. And, uh, like I said, there um, it's all about Wall Street because he runs a, a hedge fund. Axe Capital is this giant, suspiciously successful hedge fund, and so he uh, and and it's about like him and what he can do, and uh, it's it's just been really interesting, and it's a lot of fun to see kind of the crazy stuff and the the crazy things that people get in trouble doing, uh, or get out of trouble by doing, because um, there's some of that too. Like, oh, you did this, but if you do that. We can make this go away. Oh, sort of and like suits. Yeah, there's a lot of suitsiness in here. Yeah, and I, I enjoy I it. it. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to have to wrap it up. Okay. So we had some really great shows. Thanks for joining me and telling me about your favorites. Of course. So tell the listeners how they can contact you on Twitter if they wish. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me as Verso. And as I said, I occasionally show up ever at The Incomparable. And the rest of the time, I'm on the Daily Observations podcast over at MacObserver.com. Yeah, Kelly does a great job of hosting. You should come and listen to our daily news show. Mac Observer Daily Observations, hosted by Kelly, is fantastic. 
All right, folks, well, you've been listening to John Marchalero and Kelly Gaman on the Mac Observer's Background Mode. We'll see you again next week.